This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. Exposing Washington is the name of the show. American Family Radio is the network. Various things that we're going to talk about on the show today. Glad to have you with us. AFR.net is the website. AFR.net is the website. Check it out. You can also download the uh, app on your smartphone. Just type in AFR. Download the American Family radio app. Lastly, you can always keep up with the show um, at uh, at our website, as I mentioned, but you can also uh, download the podcast on your phone. Not only the app, but also the podcast. You can download the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Type in Exposing Washington, and you can download the podcast there and listen at your own convenience whenever you would like to listen to the show. Uh, various topics we're going to discuss today on the show, as I mentioned, and just to give you a tease, uh, a couple things we're going to talk about. I'll give you an update on the impeachment sham or the impeachment circus, if you will. We'll also talk about the death of the ISIS leader or the animal, as President Trump calls him, the uh, special forces raid and and killing or death of the uh, uh, ISIS leader. In, uh, in in northeast Syria, we'll talk about that, and then uh, and, and we'll talk about how the media the media's handling of um, of of this military operation and the President Trump's announcement. We're going to talk about that and really just the shameful handling and the mishandling of of Islamic terror when it comes to the media and how they cover these stories. So talk about a lot today exposing washington glad to have you with us my name is walker wildman and i'm the show host the first thing i want to talk about is is what i just mentioned a minute ago and that is the death of uh let me set this up the uh, u.s special forces and the white house and the military they conducted a raid uh, of a building in northeast syria and during that operation, they killed the ISIS leader, al-Baghdadi is his name. And he uh, detonated a suicide vest during the operation and killed himself and two children. And apparently the, the U.S. had been on his trail for months now. And the U.S. actually had an informant inside of ISIS that worked for the ISIS leader. And so the U.S. Special Forces conducted a raid and it ended with the ISIS leader committing suicide, uh, blowing himself up and dying there 
on the scene. And so that brings us to this to this discussion. And the discussion is how some people, not just some in the media, but some in, in the in the political realm, some in government, how they handle Islamic terror. And how not only how they handle, but how they describe Islamic terrorist. And it's easy for us consumers or just average citizens, it's easy for us to get desensitized to what exactly these animals, as President Trump calls them accurately, to what these animals really do, these these, these Islamic radicals, what they're all about, what they do, the terror they uh, are the havoc they wreak on, on on people's lives, the deaths, they, the thousands of deaths they've caused, really millions. When you talk about across the world, Islamic terror across the world for the last several centuries, <laughs> longer than that. I mean, this goes back a long ways in in world history, and that is Islamic terror, Islamic radicals. And I would even say they're not radicals because they're doing what the Quran says. That's kill the infidel is what they're is what they go by. Slay the infidel wherever you find them. Well, who's the infidel? Well, it's anyone who's not a Muslim, which is basically a lot of people, including you and I. But if we just go back a couple years, we remember during President Obama's days when the spokesperson for the State Department with the last name of Harf, uh, I can't remember her first name, but she was a, f- a female, blonde-headed spokesperson for the S- State Department. I think it was like Melanie Harf or something like that. Anyways, Brent might can look that up. But she was a State Department spokesperson during President Obama's days, and she went out and did a press conference one day talking about the Islamic State, the Islamic Jihadis, and she said something to the extent of that they really just need more job opportunities. It's Marie Hoff, I think. But she said that the Islamic radicals just need more job opportunities. As if, some, as if if you give them more jobs, then they won't go off and kill people. But the reason I bring that up is because these people, these people in Washington are so out of touch with reality and what's actually going on that they're, they say stupid enough things like that these Islamic terrorists, these animals, as President Trump calls them, that all you need to do is get them a good paying job and that they won't wreak havoc. And who is naive enough to really believe that? The motivation here is not poverty, the motivation is that these Islamic radicals believe that their religion teaches them to kill innocent people so that they can go to, quote, paradise, so that they can go to fantasy land. That's what their, their, their teachings consist of. So they're, they're motivated by their sick and distorted religion. And it has nothing to do 
with jobs. The reason I bring that up is because that same kind of low-level, naive thinking is still persist in Washington. It still persists in Washington. And, and I believe the reason that these people try to downplay and use words not as severe about when they're describing Islamic terrorists is because they don't want the American people to be privy of or understand how serious this threat is, how serious the threat is when it comes to Islamic terrorism, Muslim terrorism. And so the, uh, the Washington Post did a story the day after this the Islamic leader was uh, commit, uh, died in this U.S. Special Forces raid. The Washington Post comes out with this headline. Folks, this is absolutely, this is beyond the pale. I was going to say this is, this is shameful, this is ridiculous. Well, it's all of the above. And it shows how really... It shows how the media is even, even themselves, they are submitting to Sharia law. Because they're always bending over backwards not to offend Muslims and Islamic terrorists. Here's the headline from the Washington Post, basically the obituary for this ISIS leader, this animal, this rapist, this murderer... Here's the headline. I'm not even going to say the animal's name because he doesn't deserve us to keep repeating his name. But here's here are the words how they describe him. Austere religious scholar at the helm of Islamic State dies at 24. I mean, dies at 48. So they describe him as an austere religious scholar a religious scholar this is a mass murderer and he they're describing him as a religious scholar and to put this in compare comp, to com, to compare things let's go back to adolf hitler and someone someone actually tweeted this put this out on a tweet to to compare what this would be like if you went back to when Adolf Hitler died. This is what the headline would look like if the Washington Post were covering it. Adolf Hitler, dedicated art enthusiast, animal rights activist, and talented orator, dies at 56. This is how it would look if the Washington Post were covering the the death of Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden, father of 23, Killed in home, <laughs> killed in home invasion. So these are all parodies. Let me note, but it shows you what these the Washington Post, how messed up they are. To call this animal a religious scholar, but it just shows how they underplay and they don't take serious and they don't fully comprehend. 
the threat of Islamic radicals, of Muslim radicals, of Muslim terrorists. And someone else who really actually downplayed this death, and by the way, some have been critical of President Trump's descriptive language on the death of this animal. But I thought it was perfectly fine. As a matter of fact, if President Trump wanted to be more specific about his death, then I'm good with that. Because President Trump said that this person died like a dog. He went out whimpering, screaming like a dog. And I thought that kind of language was fine. But oh, in the media, we got to water things down. We got to desensitize things. And we can't offend anyone. Let's listen to clip four. This is Joy Behar on The View talking about, she's saying some shameful shameful things about President Trump when it comes to this operation. Clip four, let's listen. So can we at least agree that the world is a better place without this guy in it? Who, Trump or the Baghdadi? Which one do you think? So there you have it, Joy Behar. When Whoopi Goldberg says something that I think we can all agree on, or I thought we could, that the world is a better place without this thug, without this mass murderer, the world is a better place, right, Joy Behar? Then Joy Behar goes sarcastic and goes sick and says, well, you talking about Trump or Baghdadi? The world is a better place without. Basically, comparing the two. And then she goes on after that to basically downplay the seriousness of this moment. But this shows how perverted these people are in their thought processes and how they understand Islamic and Muslim terrorism. Along the same lines, in uh, the Huffington Post, one of their writers was a little, just a little discomforted about the colorful language that President Trump used at his press conference. The writer here in the Huffington Post called President Trump's announcement a score-settling speech. On Sunday morning, President Trump, this is according to the Huffington Post, gloated, mocked the former ISIS leader. Okay, that's fine. What's wrong with that? She's saying this, the writer here in the Huffington Post, as if that's a problem. That President Trump gloated and mocked this mass murderer. And I say, so what? Keep gloating and, and mocking him. Then the writer here in the Huffington Post keeps going on, or keeps writing, and says that Trump has fully bought into traditional displays of masculinity and consistently tried to compensate for the fact that he never served in the military. Well, let's just take a gut punch at our president when we just killed, when our U.S. Special Forces just killed the top uh, mass murderer, the top terrorist leader in the world. Let's take a jab at our commander-in-chief. Why not? Then the, uh, the writer here in the Huffington Post went on and criticized pr- President Trump for, for recounting 
the 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 uh, death of the terror leader. When President Trump said that the leader had been whimpering and crying and screaming all the way to his death. So to think from the media's perspective, to think that we can out-nice Muslim terrorists, that we can out-nice Islamic radicals, that is naive at best. Because you cannot out-nice Islamic, Islamist. It's full submission to their false god, Allah, or death. You pick, infidels, talking to ourselves here, you pick. There is no middle ground. It's, full, it's Sharia law, full submission to their false god, so-called Allah, it's full submission to their false god or death. There is no middle ground. There is no freedom of religion. There is no free speech. There's no constitution. Nothing. There's no free will. It's submission or death for uh, people. And that's the problem amongst many with the so-called Muslim faith, if that's what you want to call it, the ideology, that's the problem. But some people in our country just don't fully understand the seriousness and the depravity or, or, or the depraved mindset that is behind Islamist. Moving on to the... Um, um, moving on to the impeachment process if, if that's what you want to call it a process the impeachment sham as president trump is calling it or the impeachment circus as i'm calling it a couple of different things here first the democrats in the house of representatives did pass a resolution this past week formalizing their impeachment inquiry so remember I said last week that the Democrats haven't even voted on anything to formalize this process? Well, they did this week. They further dug in their heels this week on impeachment. I want to play clip uh, two. This is Chris Wallace, and this just shows you, folks, this is Chris Wallace. And remember just a few weeks ago, it was all about the phone call. What's on the phone call? We got to get the transcript of the phone call. The phone call with President Trump and the Ukrainian president talking about Joe Biden's corrupt son. It was all about the phone call. Look at the phone call. This is horrible. Quit pro quo. The phone call. Well, now Chris Wallace, the never Trumper on Fox News, says, well, you know, maybe it's just not all about the phone call. Clip two. Let's listen. Well, I, I, one of the points I would make, and this is to push back, I respect Bill Bennett a lot. You just were hearing from him. But he makes it, and some Republicans do, that this was just a phone call. And you have to read the phone call. It was a lot more than a phone call. It was a coordinated campaign. And what you've heard from Bill Taylor and Fiona Hill and a number and, and, and Colonel Vidman and a bunch of others is that this was a coordinated campaign by people outside the regular diplomatic channels of the State Department to put pressure on Ukraine to do certain things, to investigate the Democrats, 
from what they did in 2016 to investigate Biden that preceded the phone call on July 25th and followed the phone call after July 25th. And I think that's one of the things that'll be so interesting to hear from Tim Morrison today is this campaign. It didn't begin and it didn't end with a phone call. Well, there you have it. So that's Chris Wallace's Democratic shift. Uh, uh, shift. Uh, that's uh, Chris Wallace's shift from... I'm paraphrasing, I'm I'm summarizing what he just said there. But how I view that, I'm talking about myself, how I view what Chris Wallace just said there is that Chris Wallace and the Democrats can't really find anything bad about the phone call, which was the whole basis of this conversation, the phone call, the phone call, the whistleblower and the phone call. Well, now guess what? The transcript is released and there's really just nothing there. And so now we have to move on to this, what Chris Wallace says. Well, it's just not all about the phone call. There's more to it than the phone call. No, there's nothing more to it. And you know what? So what if there was quid pro quo? Our so-called quid pro quo. I don't even know what, what, when is there not quid pro quo in politics? And what is wrong with quid pro quo? That's the way of the world. You do this, I'll do that. You do this, I'll do that. That's how the world's been working for thousands of years. And so if President Trump told, and I'm not saying this happened, but hypothetically, if President Trump explicitly told the Ukrainian president that you need to clean up your corruption, investigate Hunter Biden, and then I'll give you military money. So what? That's the way presidents have been doing foreign policy for decades, if not over a century of American politics. Foreign aid to these governments overseas, which half of them I don't think we should be giving money to, but foreign aid is inherently tied to our foreign policy agenda with every administration. The administration, the current occupant of the White House and the State Department, they have their foreign policy objectives and they leverage foreign aid to meet those objectives. And for anyone to think somehow that's corrupt, or unheard of, or that never happens in Washington, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? The way Washington works is quid pro quo. And I don't know why all of a sudden quid pro quo came a cuss word, became a curse word, as if we can't trade off things for other actions. That's how the world works. And so that's that's that. And then uh, I want to play another clip here. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to play Representative Steve Scalise here. And Steve Scalise is talking about how the Democrats are so obsessed with impeachment that they're not getting anything else done. Let's listen. We could have lower prescription drug prices today, but Pelosi won't bring those bills to the floor because she's infatuated with impeachment. Our troops could be properly funded, but Pelosi is infatuated with impeachment. In fact, we could have better trade relations with Canada and Mexico and create 160,000 new jobs today, but Pelosi's infatuated with impeachment. We deserve better. 
Well, there you have it. That's Representative Steve Scalise from Louisiana talking about how the Democrats and Pelosi are obsessed with impeachment, that they're not in get, that they're not getting anything else done. And to a certain extent, he's right. And I'll even say this. Republicans are, 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 are very known for not getting anything done. Because remember, Republicans held Congress and the Senate. They held the House and the Senate chamber and the White House with President Trump the first two years of the Trump administration. And what did Republicans get done? Well, they got done tax cuts. They got done tax cuts. And that's just about it. And I've criticized Republicans for not getting enough done when they're in power. And now I'm going to criticize Democrats for not getting enough done when they're in power. And just to name one, what should be a non-controversial legislative topic is the USMCA, the U.S.-Canada-Mexico Trade Agreement. Passing that should be a top priority of both parties but guess what? Democrats in the House will not bring the USMCA for up for a vote. Why? Because that would be a political win for President Trump. Not to mention it would be a economic win for our country and for blue and red people, Democrats and Republican. But it would reflect good on President Trump, and so the Democrats just can't bring up the USMCA trade agreement up for a vote. For it to pass the House and the Senate, why? Because it, it might just reflect good on President Trump. Now I'm going to play one last clip here real quick. This is clip three, Louis Gohmert on impeachment. They want it to be a one-sided, non-due process sham court. And it's about to push this country to a civil war if they were to get their wishes. And if there's one thing... I don't want to see in my lifetime. I don't want to ever have participation in. It's a civil war. Some historian, I don't remember who, said guns are only involved in the last phase of a civil war. What's gone on here has not protected the Constitution. It's not protected the institutions. It's not protected protected this little experiment in self-government. No, what it has done has put it all at risk. Well, there you have it. That's Congressman Louis Gomer out of Texas talking about the seriousness of this dangerous road called impeachment that the Democrats are using for political purposes. And you know what? If President Trump, for some reason, if he is impeached officially by the Senate, there's going to be a lot of Americans, including myself, losing 100% faith, losing any ounce of faith in our constitutional, governmental, civil process. Exposing Washington AFR. We'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.